0: If you're new, quick introduction of myself and the purpose of this time. My name is Dr. Erica Jordan Thomas. I am a former teacher, former instructional coach, former assistant principal, former principal. I left the principalship in 2018 to go back to school full time and get my doctorate. Hey, Gene, uh, and hey, Katrina. Um, and I, uh, graduated, uh, from Harvard Graduate School of Education with my doctor in education leadership last May. Um, I say last May as if it was last year, it was just a few months ago. <laughs> um, and, um, I am in now full-time in my business. And so, um, uh, for the f- person who just asked the question of the name of my Facebook group, if you go to the link in my Instagram bio, uh, you can click to join there and get Get the name and join the party if you're not already uh with us, so um I started my consulting business in October of twenty seventeen so oh, it's October now, y'all we're four years old. Look at that! look at the journey uh, I started my consulting business uh while I was still working full- time as a principal, and then I continued my business uh while transitioning back to school full time my business sustained me financially. So it's one of the most beautiful decisions that I've made uh, that I didn't know at the time, the journey that was to come. Um, and this one decision just to like go for it and not fully having a plan, not having a roadmap, um, not having a business plan, which I kind of feel some, some way about because I feel like um, business plans are the tool of the oppressor, but that's a whole nother conversation. But anyway, <laughs> I feel like it's just another way to keep people out of entrepreneurship. Um, that's a sidebar, um, but I didn't have any of that. I just started and uh, my business has grown significantly to where uh, today it is a multiple six-figure business. And um, what I made my first year of teaching, um, I can now make in about 15 to 30 days, depending on the month. Um, and so I am just so incredibly committed to supporting educators who have the experience, have the expertise, have the heart that centers communities, the values that center equity, um, supporting them and and shifting the power dynamics in school districts and communities such that they are the ones that are at our decision-making tables working hand in hand with schools and school districts, because unfortunately the reality is that is not always the case when we talk about education consulting. Um, education consulting is is traditionally a white-dominated uh, field. Uh, 70% of education consultants identify as white. Um, and so I am just, you know, uh, really committed to shifting those power dynamics. And kind of the second layer of this is disrupting the racial wealth equity gap, or excuse me, the racial wealth, the racial wealth gap. Um, because uh, the pay scale for consulting is completely different than the pay scale in education. Um, and I deserve, I, I believe that instead of of you know the big consulting groups, whether it's Boston Consulting Group or McKinsey, rather than giving them the six figure contract, why not give it to the teacher of the year? Why not give it to the principal of the year? <laughs> like they clearly got the sauce. Um, why 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 not pay them and pay them what they're worth? So um, because of that, I I launched my second business, Get Launch Consulting, in March of twenty twenty, um, helping educators launching their own education consulting business. And as I mentioned, this is bigger than launching consulting businesses. For me, this is around disrupting power dynamics as well as disrupting the racial wealth gap. Um, and Get Launch Consulting has been a beautiful journey. Since launching, we've supported 187 educators through our program. Um, and we're getting ready to, to ramp back up and reopen enrollment um, to support another cycle of amazing educators ready ready to go after their dreams of, of building a consulting business, expanding their impact and building their wealth while they do it. So um, I do office hours with JT every other week. So the way this works is I have a private Facebook group. Uh, if you're on Instagram and you're curious and want to join that private Facebook group, just click the link in my bio to join us. And every other Thursday, we release a set of questions that the group votes on. These questions come directly from the group. So you can also add questions to the poll. Um, And actually, that's what happened this week. Someone added a question. The group votes on the questions. The top three questions with the most votes, I go and answer. Um, And so one of the questions this week, someone added. So it's like, listen, y'all, that's the power of, of adding questions. It can get answered. And I'm excited to answer someone's question today. So we got three questions um, that I'm going to roll through. If you see me look down or over, I'm either looking at my notes uh, that I've captured as we go through our questions, or um, if you're on Facebook, I might be looking over at IG. If you're on IG, I'm looking over at Facebook. So um, we're going to go ahead, jump in and get into it. One of my core values is authenticity. And so, um, I like to make this conversational, even though we are not physically proximate. I like to feel like we are physically proximate. So, feel free to engage in the chat with me. Uh, if you, if you have a comment or a reaction, if you have wisdom to share uh, that's sparked by something we're having a conversation about, please, 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 feel free to share that in the chat. If what I, I share sparks a, a follow-up question from you, um, feel free to drop it into the chat, and I'm happy to. To ask the follow-up question, so we're gonna go ahead and jump in, y'all. I only saw two people tell me, "Hey, okay, hey, Siobhan, hey, 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 girlfriend." I was about to say, "I've only seen two people tell me, hey," and I know I got at least ten people logged in watching me right now. So, if you hear, say, "Hey, Charlotte, hey," Um, I know you got a birthday coming up. Happy early birthday! (laughs) All right, so the. Risa, look see look, this is why I get so excited when I finally know who's here because it's like, oh, she's girl. Okay. All right, so uh the three questions we're going to talk about today, the first is how to promote and market yourself. The second question is how to develop a business model. And then the third question is to is how to create, market and sell? Uh, an online course at premium price. That's a juicy one. So that last one uh was one that someone added and I was like, oh, they gonna get, they wanna get the whole, whole plan of not just create, not just market, not just sell, but how do I do all three? So we're gonna jump into it. All right. So I'm gonna start with our first question of how to promote and market uh yourself. So I'm I'm gonna name that um I've I've answered a similar type of question uh, in a variety of different forms in previous office hours. So I'm not going to go super deep here just because like last week's office hours, one of the questions was, um, how do I um, uh, network, uh, build my network of clientele, uh, which is essentially kind of a marketing question. So this question has been asked in different shapes or forms, and I've answered it a, a couple of times. So I'm not going to go super deep, but I encourage you all in the group to, to search, to, to go back and look at some of those previous JT office hour videos. And I always put the questions that I answer. Y'all, my braids are like all over the place. This is what happens when you get waist l- length braids is they're just like all over. Um, and I'm not used to like the all over here. Like I'm used to like the little tuck behind my ear and now braids are all over. Okay. So anyway, uh, so that, uh, so those questions, um, I've previously answered a few times. So I just want to encourage you to, to leverage the resources that are in the group by searching for particular terms. So you can search the word market, you could search the word promote, you can search the word clientele, search those different terms and it'll pull up those previous JT Office Hour videos. I'm just going to name that because um, I'm not going to go super deep here because we've answered this question in a, in a, a few different ways before. Um, but here's, here's the big piece that I wanted to... To, to a name here of to promote and market yourself is two big headlines. Um, first, you have to show up. Like that's the first thing is you cannot hide. And so a couple of, uh, or a couple of weeks ago, I made a post on Instagram um, that said, you'll blow up the timeline for your birthday, but are you blowing up the timeline for your business? So that's a good self-reflective question uh, because uh that that helps name the orientation that you need to be in uh when you are marketing and promoting your business. Cause I think oftentimes there's this mindset where we we for some reason, you know, believe that um we're we shouldn't be talking about our business as much or like we're going to be rubbing people the wrong way by talking about our business. And it's like, first off, how do you expect to make money (laughs) if you don't talk about your business? Like people cannot leverage your business if they don't know that it exists. So you need to be talking about your business. Secondly, you want to be talking about your business so frequently that some people do tap out that's cool cuz guess what that's creating more space for the people who need to tap in and so i just named that because i think oftentimes there's the there's these false narratives that we play in our head around well i don't i don't want to overwhelm with people talking to people about my business i don't want to talk too much about my business people are going to think that i'm salesy and that is one way in which my my perspective and my stance on that is I believe that is one of the ways internalized oppression shows up because let me tell you the people who need imposter syndrome don't have it, <laughs> and so they are they have no problems talking about themselves them their offer their business they are those who are used to to um those who are unaware of their privilege and therefore their life experiences have told them that nothing is off limits. Um, they have no qualms around talking and promoting themselves or talking about their business. For those of us who are marginalized communities who have consistently received messages, whether direct, or, directly or indirectly, that we aren't meant to take up space that we're being extra or that we're, that's unprofessional or um, you're doing too much. That is because it, in our society that is, is racist, that it, what, living in a, a patriarchal society that tells those of us from marginalized communities that we're not supposed to take up space, we will receive messages to play small. So I'm, I'm naming that for you to be able to see that of these false narratives of, well, I shouldn't be talking about my business. Or if I talk about it too much, then you know I'm going to rub people the wrong way. That's actually one of the ways in which internalized depression shows up. So just, just naming that, um, that that is a piece of the mindset work that we all have to do. And it is critical that you do in order to, to step out, step in front and take take up space. Um, so that's the first thing is you have to show up. If you have never gone live to talk about your business, and when I say gone live, meaning on a social media platform, I want you Well, back up. If you've never gone live on a social media platform, drop an emoji into the chat. And whatever, whatever emoji it could be, a heart. It could be a, a little hand. It could be, you know, the lady with the red dress, which is my favorite emoji. But if you've never gone live on a social media platform, just drop a little emoji for me. And and um, and um, um, we're we're celebrating the reflection of um where you are in your journey. And this is, and like y'all, this is not a. This is not like a question of like, we're we're trying to grade folks or assess folks. Um, But this is an opportunity, right? Of naming where we're starting. And so if you just dropped an emoji in the chat, I want you to set a goal to go live in the next 14 days. I would say seven, but some of y'all got jobs, jobs. (laughs) So when I say jobs, y'all walk in full time, you like raising whole families. So like, I'm gonna give you 14 days, 14 so, I want you to determine when over the next 14 days you're going to go live. And maybe, listen, it's your prerogative if you want to go live at 2 a.m., knowing you probably going to have zero people watching live. Cool. That's your prerogative. But I guarantee you, you are going to experience a level of growth because the first step is the hardest step. I promise you. And you determine the platform. If you want it to be Instagram, Facebook LinkedIn you can now go live um, but I'm I, I, I'm I'm setting that um, healthy challenge uh, out to you uh, because that that is is exercising a muscle that you're gonna have to build in your business. you have got to be comfortable taking up space and talking about your business and I get it my first live I was like petrified and actually my first live I did with a friend invited me on her live and like, I'm so grateful for her, um, for that opportunity, because guess what? It was the leading domino that now set me up to like, y'all know now, especially in the Facebook group, y'all know I just be going live. And like, it was that first time that set me up to be able to, to do that now. So for my folks who dropped an emoji, um, let me know what you're thinking. What, what's, what's, what's going to be your kind of target date or when you're going to go live uh over the next 14 days um and you know this this is a, a commitment to honoring you and your business and in a, a way to reframe this is you know as i was sharing before of, of you doing this is is a revolutionary act in a world that tells you you're not supposed to in a world that tells you you're supposed to play small you going live is an act of resistance right and so uh, I I would love to hear from you. I see Natasha and see Jean here. Let me know um, when you're thinking about the live or How you think? I'm not saying, it's, you know, you're not going to be nervous or scared, uh, but, you know, you, you do it scared. Um, and then you're going to get on the other side and be like, no one than that. I actually think I kind of like it. Let me go and do it next week. Okay. Um, so that's the first thing is you got to show up. The second thing, is you need to provide value. So when I say provide value, I mean that you have to deeply know the problem that your client is, is experiencing. And given the problem that they're experiencing, which is the problem you sh- would be solving in your business, what is a, a, a piece of value? that you could give to your audience that in some way shape or form um touches on or and I'm I'm hesitating to say the word address cuz you're not trying to solve a problem but you're giving them some type of value that is easing just a little bit of their pain point. And so when you show up it's it's got to be valuable. So for example, it's like listen, if you're going to teach, you got to teach a good lesson, okay? Like, don't come in here half-step in. Don't come in here with a lesson plan you done planned the night before. Don't come in here ready to talk for for 60 minutes. Like, you need to give some value. Um, And so what I mean by value is you could be articulating more around actually defining the problem. Because some people know that they they have an issue, but they can't really put into words like why they're experiencing what they're experiencing or really put their finger on it. So like giving value could actually be helping your audience get more clear on what the problem is. So for example, a way that I do this is uh, for my clients specifically in Get Launch Consulting, oftentimes people will say, I need to figure out how to get more clients. And in a way that I can provide value is the problem is you it's it's not you need to get more clients. It's really you don't have a, a clear funnel like that's the opportunity in your business because the funnel is what builds your pipeline of clients. So like that is actually what I what I hear is you're asking for a system of, a, of how do I build a funnel in 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 my business? So even that just reframe. Helps get people some clarity, right? That's adding a little bit of value. And so that's the second thing is if you're going to show up, you need to show up and provide value. So showing up, as I mentioned, we already shared examples of a Facebook live, IG live. Natasha, we're excited for you to go live next week. Mm, 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 you're going to kill it. You are going to kill it. You're going to kill it. Um, but that could be, you know, uh, also webinars, um, Our way to promote and market yourself, conferences, any way in which you show up, um, sending emails, uh, you know, a newsletter, or, you know, all those things um, are ways of showing up. But you need to provide some value. Going directly to the offer is not providing value. Even though it is valuable, some people don't trust you enough to know that they're ready to invest with you. So you need to, to out of the spirit of care for your clients, you need to provide some value so that way folks can build trust and know what you're talking about, right? And that's also a way to build credibility. Um, uh, Someone just said on IG, yes, my first live was so exciting. I was super nervous, but loved it. Yeah, and here's the thing too, y'all. It's like, uh you're gonna get some affirmation from it, right? Like there's this moment where you're, you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, this is actually something I'm really excited about. This is something I really love and enjoy doing. Um, so like that's another reason that you can reframe it to be able to, you know, look forward to this opportunity of going live, of, of there's data that you're gonna get back of how how it made you feel. Um, so I I'm just excited for you all to be able to take that step and um Gene, I'm excited for for you to have that opportunity too. Okay, so moving on um, to question number two. Feel free to drop uh, thoughts, questions, reactions uh, into the chat um, related to those two points of how to promote and market yourself, showing up and give value. All right, so the next question is how do I develop a business model? All these questions just excite me which basically means that like I love doing this. I'm like, "Oh, yes, let's talk about it." How do I build a business model? All right, so let me first name for you um my uh my business values or perspective. Kind of like what are the underlying assumptions that I operate with that actually influence how I answer this question? So one of the business assumptions that I operate with because I think it's important to name this and I think for each of you as you are, you know, thinking through support in your own development as CEOs in your business and you're looking at different coaches, you always want to be aware of or clear or even ask what are their their values and or the assumptions that they hold? that are actually influencing their philosophy um, because some coaches might have a uh, hold an assumption that, um, you know, you make money at all costs or value of, of money over people. And you want to know that, right? <laughs> like, like you want to know that in advance um, before you decide, you know, of who to invest in. But one of the assumptions that I hold is that, uh, Every business that you all are in the process of of growing and scaling has the opportunity to to become a multiple six-figure and seven-figure business. So my philosophy, when I answer like these business infrastructure questions, are are thinking of the long game of what does it take to run a seven-figure business? So that's what I ground my perspective in and my, my advice and advisement in is what is required to build a seven figure business. Because the reality is, is you can't start systematizing for a seven figure business. Once you hit seven figures, you have to build the framework for that at six figures. So my belief is actually the moment you hit six figures, your first 100 K, you need to start oper- operationalizing differently to prepare for seven figures. Like that's when it hits, not when you get to 500K or even 350. It's like when you hit 100K, you need to be setting up your systems to be ready for, for seven figures. So I just named that because that is where the answer, that is the assumption that I hold and that I operate from when, when I'm answering this question and, and you know when I answer other questions. So when I hear the question of how do I develop a business model, I'm thinking of what is the business model that you need in order to to hit seven figures? And one of the aspects of that is you need a signature service. So in order to scale to seven figures, you need a signature service or a signature offer that is is scalable to the point where from an operation standpoint, so actually let me let me give you an analogy from a, a school standpoint. So from an analogy you know to our context as educators is, you know, when you have the the and I'll use a principal analogy. My administrative team, when we had three admins, and we all came back the next year, so I had the same team one year after the other, the type of synergy that we had as a team, we were unstoppable. Unstoppable. Because... We were aligned in so many different ways. It wasn't a matter of building new things. it was a matter of refinement like we already had all of our we were already all on the same page with mission and values, but we were also on the same page with operations. We were always on the same page when it came to like how to handle certain things that would come up uh coaching conversations uh when it came to you know, if I had to step out of the building, we all knew what to do, but that's because. We had the time together to build the synergy and build the alignment and and the common, you know, understanding of how certain things are done um, because we had been together for that long. I've also had the experience of of onboarding new team members where I've had different team members on my admin team from year to year. And of course, it's the reality of our work and it happens. But it's there's there the pace of your work changes. And th- I'm not placing a value judgment on on it of. It's it's good or bad. It just is what it is. It's you have to slow down to speed up, and then once you've slowed down to put the foundation in place to put the operational capacity in place, then there's this pivot point where like the 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 machine is running, like the train is off on the tracks, and you you you're positioned to now get into the nitty gritty details rather than worrying about morning arrival. I <laughs> mean, like, like morning arrival is good. Now we in classrooms, literally looking at the things that matter of, of your objective, of the alignment of your content, the alignment of your tasks. We're looking deep. We're, we're past the like, is your assessment aligned? We're now looking into your exit ticket of, of what do we do to be able to move the needle from 55% to 75% within the next three to four days? Like what's going to be the instructional move that's going to cause the needle to move in that way? And then let's go ahead and plan that mini lesson. What's going to be our reassessment question? When you're going to reteach? When I'm going to come back and observe? Like That's the level of synergy that you can have. So when I'm saying that you need to have a signature offer in your business, by having the signature offer, it gives you the level of focus to create the synergy that you need in your business to have your revenue on autopilot. Now... That doesn't mean that's the only offer you have in your business. But when you are are, are starting in your business, your goal needs to be, I need to test quickly to be able to get clarity on what my signature offer is. Once I get clarity on what the signature offer is, I need to double down on operations so that way I can scale, I can automate, I can get this thing cranking and rolling to the point of it could run without me. And when it hits that point, then I'm positioned to be able to potentially pivot and then build a second offer to be able to grow and scale it to that way. So when I'm I'm answering this question from a, a how do I build a business model, I'm, I'm, the first headline is, you need to have a signature offer. Now, you usually don't get that clarity like when you're just starting your business. It takes a lot of experimenting. You got to try a lot of stuff. And a few weeks ago, I had a post of like, some of y'all are trying to niche down too quickly. (laughs) Like you're putting this pressure on yourself. If I know, I should know today what my signature offer is. It's like, no, you got to get some contracts and try some stuff. You need to get a contract to see how it feels, to see if you actually like it. And what was the work that was required to put into that? So, you know, you got to get some data back. You have to give yourself permission to be able to be be in an experimentation phase because with every contract you get, it's data that you get back to get even clearer and closer on what your signature offer is. And then once you get clear on that signature offer, it's a matter of, okay, now this is my signature offer. I need to get deep into the operations to be able to standardize and and automate as much of this as possible. So that way it's not dependent on my physical presence as much to be able to fully operate. So let's say you're doing equity assessments that are a four-part process. There should be some parts of that process you should be able to automate. So maybe, for example, let's say if the first part is the pre-assessment and your clients have to take a pre-assessment to be able to determine um, where they where they fall and whatever you know, uh, framework that you use to be able to identify the starting place of your, your clients. A part of the automation and operational part in order to scale to seven figures is you would want to have some type of process to where you can standardize where people fall in what area. So that way you could actually delegate that to somebody else. So you're not the one having to review every single pre-assessment. You can delegate it to somebody else and then there might be a workflow when I say workflow, meaning a series of tasks or emails that then once they get identified in category one, they get this workflow. Once they're in category two, this is the workflow or task they get category three. like That's the level of, of systems and operations that you should be positioned to be able to, to then build and refine in order to scale to seven and figure. So y'all, give me some feedback. Is this making sense? Um, I'm curious uh if if anyone here has been thinking about a signature offer, if so, let me know what it is in the chat. Um, but that's that's uh the the my my main thought there is is you need to get clear on your signature offer. Now once you get clear on your signature offer, again i'm 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 naming that this may not be the only thing that you do in your business. But your signature offer, A, it should be the thing that's bringing in the most revenue. So some of you might have five offers right now, which is fine. You might be doing PD, keynote speaking engagements, one-on-one coaching, equity audits, and I don't know, something else. And so you might have five things right now that are going on in your business. You should be taking a look at all of those revenue streams to be able to figure out which one's bringing in the most revenue. Because that one has the most potential to being your signature offer. And yes, Get Launch Consulting is my signature offer. But guess what? I still coach a principal. I say a principal because I don't have the capacity to coach more. I'm not accepting uh, uh, one-on-one coaching clients in terms of principals, even though that is a service I offer in my business. Um, I I hold it in my back pocket uh, because I can do it. I... Enjoy doing it, but it's not my signature service, so I don't spend all of my time and capacity in coaching principals. Um, but that is something I do. Um, I I still have my own consulting business, and I still do that um, in addition to Get Launch Consulting. But it's not my signature offer, which is why you don't hear me talk about it a lot on social media because it's not my signature offer. I mean, it's and my consulting business is is six figures rolling in the background, <laughs> like it's. I don't have to promote in order to get clients or to, you know, hit six figures in revenue, um, which is why I can pivot and focus on get launch consulting. Um, so, all right. So the last thing that I'll name here is once you get clear on, on get launch consult or not get launch consulting, once you get clear, Andrew, I was looking at your question while I was like thinking and talking. Once you get clear on your signature offer, this will get then give you clarity of what's the pathway into your signature offer? So for example, if your signature offer is, and I'll I'll just use the same example before, as an equity, um, a four-part equity audit, so where maybe it's like a pre-assessment, uh, then it is a debrief and presentation of results. The third part is, is, um, some actual type of professional learning experience that includes some type of racial identity development, personal development, personal leadership. The third phase might be one-on-one coaching, and then the fourth phase is actually focused on some type of sustainability, institutionalizing you know the learning in the organization. Um, if if that's your signature offer, then you need to think about okay, what would it take for someone to be ready and positioned for step one. And whatever it would take might be the other little mini offers that you have, but they're creating the runway to help prep someone to be able to step into that signature offer. So you might do a one-on-one consultation as that's the way to help assess if a candidate is right. But it also might be the way of like you start mentally getting people ready for the work is like the first offer is like one-on-one coaching. Or it could be a webinar of like, I'm doing a webinar around the mindsets needed for equity work. And that is the precursor to the actual offer. But all roads in your business should be funneling into that signature offer. Again, out of the way, out of the the spirit of alignment in your business. Because if you get to seven figures, not if, when, you get to seven figures and you have five offers, you will be exhausted. And it will be very, very hard to scale to multiple seven figures, eight figures. It's just really hard. So that way that, that, um, signature offer pathway, um, helps, helps create some alignment. Um, okay. I'm just reading a comment here. Right. Yep. So, uh, so. Uh, Andrea says, I'm thinking about uh, theory of change and logic models and signature offers, but I also think about the need to transfer knowledge as opposed to getting stuck in a place where I'm doing the work for folks instead of building capacity and transferring uh, knowledge or skill, meaning technical assistance as a signature offer. Um, So I think that's less about the business model. That's more so around the mechanics of your signature offer of how you're actually delivering your services. Um, are you delivering services of building capacity? Are you building services, uh, for dependents? Um, so I think that's a, a, a question related to, uh, to assess how you're structuring your signature offer. All right. That's the business model question. Um, and then our last question, just making sure I, I addressed everything on my notes. Okay. So then the last question is, how do I create, market, and sell online course at a premium price? So this question um, has a, this the specific language of this question uh, shifts um, my, my answer. So premium pricing shifts uh, how I answer this question. Um, How do you create, market, and sell an online course? I would have one answer. But when you say premium pricing, um, that shifts uh, a couple of things. Not a lot, but uh, it shifts a couple of things. So this is really a three-part question. Shout out to the person who submitted this question. I see what you're doing. three-part. I ain't mad. I ain't mad. Get your three-part question in. But uh, what we're going to do. Hey, Leah, I'm excited you're here. Um, what we're gonna do is um I'm just going to briefly like hit each part of create, market, and sell a couple of things to just think about in each of those components um in order to to uh, build an online course at premium pricing. So let's start with create. So how do you create an online course at premium pricing? So first, you need a framework. When I say a framework, think about the framework as the standards uh, of your business. So from you know, our world as educators, our curriculum, the standards of the curriculum is the foundation to everything that we should be teaching. In your business, you should have a framework. Now, it can be three parts. It can be four parts. You determine the number of parts. You probably don't want like a 15 part framework. <laughs> it should be something that is, is digestible. Um, but you need a framework. And the reason why I say you need a framework is because frameworks are intellectual property. So you want a framework in your beer, in your, your business, regardless of your pricing, because that's what's going to separate you from anybody else who's providing any type of services is your framework is what makes you unique. Your framework is an asset. So there's a whole nother conversation we could be having around how um, intellectual property has been actually used historically in our country as a tool of oppression, of how the intellectual property of people has been stolen. And it's actually a, because it's a wealth building strategy, when I take your intellectual property I'm actually creating a roadblock to you building your wealth. Um, and so that's another reason why I'm so passionate about intellectual property because it's actually a source of power. Um, and we know, you know, that when it comes to doing good in this world, um, it requires sh- strategies of power and intellectual property is one of those strategies. So you need a framework and, uh, that framework. Um, is also what builds your credibility. So when people are, are going to be investing in your course, they're going to be wanting to know, well, what makes your course different than somebody else's? It's going to be your framework. That's your secret sauce. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you need to beta test your online course in the form of a small group coaching program. So I've named this before, but with beta testing um, for a small group coaching program, when you develop an online course, it takes time to build it. So rather than closing and shutting the door, creating all these resources, you know, p- trying to put in the time to, to put everything online, and you're doing all of this while you're not bringing in any revenue... You actually need to beta test because the thing is, is once you put it online, updating it is challenging. Of course, you can update it. But once you've recorded everything, re-recording is kind of annoying. And so you want a beta test on the front end. So that way you can get as much quality data and feedback to be able to iterate in a meaningful way. And you can also be bringing in revenue while you're beta testing. So your beta group should not be free. So I I highly recommend when you are charging premium pricing, you need to beta test first through a small group coaching program, get feedback on the curriculum, get feedback on the structure, get feedback on the sequence, get feedback on the supports, because when it comes to premium pricing, people have premium expectations. So that beta, beta testing is going to allow you to refine. So that way, when you pivot and you launch the online course, um, you you, you feel confident and affirmed in what you're putting forth because you've tested it in a number of ways. And then the, the last point here related to create is, um, you would want to pre-sale. So here's the thing. I would not sell a course after I created it. Or let me let me rephrase that. I would not create a course before I sold it. So I say that to say that part of of, of selling the the a part of of pre-selling is that is data on on interest in the program. So I would not build a course before I even know if people were interested. So when it comes to to the process of building a premium online course, I highly, highly suggest and recommend that you pre-sell before you build the actual course because that is going to give you the data back and affirming that there is an interest for what you're selling. Um, and you can create your timeline to where you can do one of two things. You can pre-sell two to three months in advance, and then you go ahead and build the content during those two or three months. And then I think, uh, just out of G off a of GP, like people need some type of incentive to, to buy during pre-sell. So typically you'd want to provide some type of additional, um, bonus or whether it's, you know, a-, a training you do in between or access to something. Um, but, uh, pre-sell. And then or you could, if you drip the content, you could be building the content as the course uh, begins, you know, after the course begins, you could be building the content ongoing. Um, Andrea asked, should frameworks be on your website? And if so, copyrighted. Um, copywriting is a non-negotiable, and most certainly should be copyrighted. Co- copyrighted. So, so let me give you an example. Should Pepsi post their recipe on their website? So it's up to you. <laughs> it's up to you because it's your intellectual property, right? So some people post what post it on their website, and you better make sure that it's copyrighted if you're gonna post it on your website because it's your intellectual property. Um, some people don't. They only make it exclusive to their clients. Um, so it's 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 completely up to your choice. I would say at minimum, if you're gonna post it, it absolutely should be protected. Absolutely. A- again, that's like, pepsi posting their their recipe um on their website and they don't have it like trademarked or anything or actually trademark wouldn't be for a recipe but they don't have have it actually an actual patent um for for that um okay so those are create for market to market a course at premium pricing um Two things. First, when you are charging premium pricing, you have now um, created a new characteristic of your target client. So, um, for example, uh, most people wouldn't buy, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to generalize. So some people would, but most people wouldn't buy a, um, a Peloton bike. And I don't even know what like the regular general, like not premium bike version is. Maybe somebody can help me out there. Who's a, a bike connoisseur, <laughs> but like most people are BX. I think that's one of the brands. I believe it's not premium pricing because I know a few folks have BX bikes and they just have the Peloton app. Most folks aren't going to have both. Most folks are going to pick one. I'm either going to do the premium version, which is the bike, or even with Peloton, they have the their standard version and they have the plus. Most people aren't going to get both. Right? And so, and there's no, no, there's not one that's better or, or, um, Greater than the other, they're just different target clients, right? And so I share that to say that when you're talking about marketing, your messaging is always important, but now you have layered on a nuance of of a, a client that is expecting a premium experience. And yes, all of us expect a premium experience, but there is a different nuance of when I have flown first class. My expectations around an airplane experience change. I don't want pretzels no more. I don't want no more pretzels. Like I want leg room. I want a blanket. I want a pillow. <laughs> and so I just named that as an example for you all where your messaging has to take into consideration. Premium pricing means premium expectations. And so when you are marketing, uh, one thing that you need to be thinking about is is. A, you need to be communicating value. But as you're communicating value, you want to, you have two directions that you can go. You could be focused on where they are, or you could be focused on where they could go. So most of the time for premium clients, you need to be talking around the aspirational vision. They don't want to know, well, when you're just starting this thing, they want to know what is it going to take for me to be the best, achieve the best, be exemplary. So that's one thing you just need to be thoughtful about is when you think about your client from a premium pricing standpoint, rather than talking about the beginning of the journey, you need to be concentrating the majority of your message at the the aspirational vision perspective with your language rather than um, when you first become a principal. Let me give you an example. Rather than saying, well, in your first year as a principal, a premium message example to, to edit that into a premium message would be to be the top performing principal in your district. You see the difference there? You could say, well, when you're first starting out as a principal, or you could say, in order to get to being the highest performing leader within your school district, those are two two different areas of focus. The premium messaging is focusing on the aspirational endpoint. So, let me know in the chat if that's making sense. If you're on IG, show me some hearts if that's making sense. Um, if you are on uh, Facebook, uh, give me an emoji, a thumbs up. Or if, if it's not making sense, ask a question. Um, so that way I can I can clarify for you all. Uh, but those are the two big, big points around marketing is leading with value and then Uh, When it comes to your messaging, your messaging becomes critical. You want to lead with value. And then you want to be speaking to the aspirational vision rather than the starting point um, of your client. All right. So the last part of this is then the selling part. So, because this question said, how do I create, market, and sell? Which we touched both of those. So the last part is now, how do I sell? When you are selling at premium pricing, people need increased touch points and the trust building process. Like, you need to date them. <laughs> like, that's the clearest analogy that I could give you. You need to, and for my, my folks in the South, you need to court your client. When you are doing premium pricing, Um. So again, think about the premium experience. When you're selling, when you're talking about a premium price point, you need to move on to move beyond. We'll just come to the webinar and then you can sign up. A premium pricing, you know, selling strategy might be, you know, a lot of people do sales calls. I don't do sales calls, but that's what some people do. We are, They get on the phone with the person to be able to answer their questions, to be able to, um, you know, talk through, um, you know, what are their concerns? What are they thinking about? Or, you know, how will this fit into what they're currently working on? They need more of that one-on-one touch point. And so one way to do that, some people do, um, um, some people do the sales calls. Um, the second way that some people do this, uh, some people who are using uh, social media as a strategy, um, they would use DMs. Some people use emails. Some people I've seen record voice notes because that's a way to make this a personalized experience. Or they might record a quick video um, and send it to people. Um, so there needs to be more of a um, touch point. More of a a one on one personalized touch point. That doesn't mean you always have to hop on the phone, but in order to sell, you need to, there has to be a level of relationship building, even in the sales process. Um, So hopefully that's helpful. Um, Someone asked on IG, how much makes a course premium? So some people would say $3,500, some people would say at least $5,000. Um, so that thirty five hundred or five thousand plus, um, you know, is usually the kind of the standard of what premium pricing would be. Um, and Andrea, this is biweekly. This is every other week. All right. So those are our three questions. Um, hopefully, you found that helpful. Let me know in the chat what was the the one point that um, you're processing or what resonated with you let me know in the chat um, of one of the key points that you're you're processing or sitting with because um, I'm just curious to know all right y'all this was good thank you for taking the time and spending time with me I'll be here in two weeks um, and so if you you are not in the Facebook group on IG. Click the link in my bio. And for my Facebook people, I will see you in two weeks. We'll drop a poll again next week. And I look forward to spending more time with you. All right, y'all. Have a good evening. Chat soon.